John Curley, Sherry Elliker Show. Starring Sherry Elliker. And who else is starring with her today, Jacob? Cesar Romero. Yes. And? I've forgotten the other name. Diving in. Good job. Harvey Corman. Thank you. Boy, Seattle loves, Seattle people love raising taxes on themselves. I tell you, it's amazing to me. I'm going to try to figure out what the percentage of voters that are renters. This idea of like, well, it's not going to affect them. Yeah, sure, I'll pay more. So uh, this is um, Seattle Initiative 135 for, quote, unquote, social housing. The idea, this is the initiative. Where are the votes on this thing? Look, it's probably passing. I'm assuming it's passing, right? Um, they want to add, you know, it's only going to be like $8 more or whatever it is uh, to your your uh, property tax. But they're going to be able to whack them. And it's the idea that there's 50,000 homeless people living in the area and we need to provide housing for them so let's build housing and let's put them in it and then they can pay rent and they can have these housing and that's going to be it's known as rapid housing or rapid rehousing well como um jackie kent explains how this all works the latest results from tuesday's special election show a majority of seattle voters in favor of social housing the rents are going sky high people can't afford it the way it is now. Opponents question the practicality of funding the so-called Seattle social housing developer, saying the city should focus its resources on more homeless outreach. For the 50,000 people that uh, are below 50% of median and the thousands of people that need uh, housing, that we need to have those as our priorities and not a new idea. According to the ballot measure, the city would need to provide 18 months of support like office space and staffing. It estimates $750,000 for 18 months, but that's just to staff up. Once we start getting funds in to like go out and start purchasing buildings off the private market, then you start building up that revolving fund. Initiative 135 co-chair Tiffany McCoy says a few council members have indicated support to help fund these projects. Plus, a state lawmaker is working to secure funding for operating costs for two years. And this is a model that's actually more financially efficient because it doesn't require as much government rental subsidies. Um, We are hoping for thousands of units a year. I mean, it would be nice to get up to 10,000 units a year. The city council would decide any further support and would need to do a feasibility study for any possible property transfers for social housing. Would this funding take away from other needs already outlined in the budget or where would that money come from? We are going to have to, um, along with our other priorities, um, identify uh, the the revenue to to help support this. (laughs) Okay. The answer to that is we don't know. This is most likely going to pass because people said, well, that's yeah, let's do something about it. And government will be the answer. I mean, if you looked at a scorecard and you said, how well are we doing now? How much money are we spending now? How many people are moving to Seattle because we give them free things? How many people here really uh, are taking advantage of some of the other things that we have offered? If you looked at all the numbers and you made, you know, a real decision based upon real facts rather than feelings, you might go, nah, I'm not going to do this. Even Seattle Times came out with their editorial saying that they didn't support it and please vote against it. But it'll go through because, again, people in Seattle love to tax because they want to tax themselves because they think the solution is always more government and bigger government when it comes to this rapid rehousing idea. And one of the pieces from the Seattle Times editorial was saying that um, they don't, you expect you're going to be expecting. Let's see. Um, here it is, reading from the 
by paragraph. There are other reasons to reject the measure. The business model aims to attract tenants with very low incomes, along with those earning 20% more than the medium income. Okay, and that's defined as $120,907 for a family of four. The theory is that people would be willing to pay above market rates to subsidize the lower rents of their neighbors in the same building. Uh huh. You know, this is uh, this model or this idea. This uh, the social housing thing is is popular in Europe. I know that in Switzerland they have it, and it's mostly about rent control, right? So rent is capped at about thirty percent of the tenant's income. So that means that what you just said, if somebody is only making you know X amount of money, they're paying thirty percent versus the same unit, somebody that's making a lot more money paying thirty percent of of their unit. And mm-hmm. so if people, I mean, how does that make it more affordable to the person making more money? Isn't this supposed to be affordable housing for everyone? Well, don't forget you have other groups that are in. You have people that have zero income. And then you have some people that are making below. So you're going to be able, you're going to buy, you're going to go into the market and you're going to be using taxpayers' money, not your money, so it doesn't affect you. And you're going to buy these buildings, and you're going to put people in these buildings. I saw that New York or Washington, D.C. started this rapid rehousing, and it ended up failing miserably because they, they said, well, my caseworker didn't get back to me, and after 13 months, uh, they basically kicked me out, and then I had to find new housing again. They had all these restrictions, and it didn't work. And don't forget, you might be living next to or you know, down the hall from somebody who is homeless for a variety of reasons, not because they don't have a job, they lost their job. They're making zero dollars. So what's affordable to them is is what? Zero. So are you going to be put, taking people off the street, putting them in homes, apartments, uh, purchased by the city, and then you're offering them some type of assistance as well to get them back to the point of being able to function enough to get a job and then keep that job and then pay some sort of rent and some other people that have been in there too long. And also the other thing that it does often with these different programs is it caps the person and reduces the incentive for the person to make more. The boss says, we can give you a raise. And you say, well, I'm not going to get a raise that I want to raise because if I get a raise, all of a sudden I fall off the cliff of uh, entitlements. You make $10 more or $1,000 more, you start to lose a whole bunch of bennies that you don't have to pay for, but everybody else has to pay for it. But this thing will pass. Don't forget King County spent a bi- almost a billion dollars a year on homeless. My argument is always, I understand if somebody's got problems, uh, you have to address the reason that they are homeless and the idea that oh, we're going to put them in these apartments. Now they're in apartments and they still have a drug problem or they still have a mental problems. You don't have enough social workers. And we will attract lots and lots and lots of people because you may be homeless, but you're not dumb. You'll go to where it is better. People don't want to live somewhere where it's much harder to live. And if you give them more incentives, you offer them more carrots and they can stay here. They can have an apartment. They don't have to necessarily adjust their behavior. You can't kick them out. You will have people that are paying some portion of their income to live in this government building, and then you will have somebody else also on the same floor or a little bit of ways struggling with a whole bunch of additional problems. By the way, the city bought a bunch of buildings in Capitol Hill. They were supposed to open them. They still haven't opened them, and they're going to be putting people in there, get them off the street and put them into housing. 
I've seen enough studies that says this housing first thing, which they tried in Denver and they tried in Utah, it doesn't work because, yes, you put a roof over their head, but you're not addressing the real problems. But, again, Seattle lights love to tax themselves. So enjoy it, everybody. It's more government to the rescue. Chris Cuomo I got to give the guy credit as much as I dislike him. I got to give him credit for being incredibly honest that he wanted to kill everybody, Sherry. And himself. Do we have sound of him talking about killing everybody? Jacob, that would be quite the job for Chris Cuomo. We do. He's Yeah, where is he? Where is he killing everybody? Where is he? Where is he wanting to kill? People? It's called the script's called CNN or I can just fire it for us. Oh, there it is. I'm I, very I just flawed. There's damage. There's damage that's relatable to people. There's damage that's unrelatable to people that I have to deal with, that I try to deal with, that I do the work on. I still fail. <laughs> and I have learned to accept it. I had to accept because I was going to kill everybody, uh, including myself. Things can consume you. Italians are so passionate. And I really had to fight against that because, you know, just like you did, I got too many people counting on me. And look, right. I'm going to screw up. Is he choking up, trying to find the words, or just stop saying words? <laughs> He's being very passionate, very Italian. He talks a lot longer, <laughs> yeah. but that's that's where I decided to end it. You got the okay, got yeah. it. Is he still on the air on that other station where he's yeah. going to be taking phone calls? And yeah, is he? We, we still haven't gotten yes. on there yet. But he did he say when he said kill everybody? That's that's a full time job. Killing that's a everyone. lot of work, and and he really wouldn't have time for the job he's doing if he could if he was going out to kill everybody. But he also mm-hmm. went on to say a couple of things like, "You've got to make things happen. There is no luck. There is no fate. There is no destiny." He is a guy that is really really bitter, and I he was on this uh, podcast called Open Book Podcast. Um, mm-hmm. He also says about his children, "Don't idolize me." I'm no idol, really. So um, his arrogance hasn't really changed much, but at least he's somewhat honest about the fact that he struggled mightily with the fact he got fired and he thought it was very unfair. Uh, He was suing CNN for $125 million for wrongful termination. The, the, The job that he's doing now is on News Nation. It's struggling They have about less, they have less than 200,000 viewers. So he's not Mm -hmm. exactly picking up where he left off. Right. He started his career, early career journalism, including appearances related to social political issues. He was on CNBC, MSNBC, and CNN. I assume he also got his job because of his last name. So he started out there. um, And yeah, he's got some problems. Listen, you put something like this out there, maybe more people will tune into his show. Um, but, yeah, he's probably also struggling. How the hell am I going to pay the bills? Remember when he said he was in his basement and that he was yes. um, secluding himself because of right. COVID? And then somebody saw him at his home that he was building out there in the Hamptons, his big $4 million home or whatever it was. And the guy went by and yelled at him, hey, I thought you were in your basement. And he, then he threatened to beat the guy up. Oh, you know, yeah. I think he'd be good. Chris Cromo, if you want to do something in the show, he does his regular news show, and then he saves the last 10 minutes to, to go into the ring and fight somebody every single day. He's a big bodybuilder. Um, he's a big yeah. weightlifter and everything. So um, there is some some rage in that guy. And don't you remember how every night they had him 
from his basement broadcasting and he'd do the show and then he'd talk about how sick he had been and that that he had dreams where he dreamed of his father. I mean, it was so self-indulgent. It was just gross. And then he him walking up the stairs to be reunited with his family. And they all kind of Total looked crap. at him like it was so underwhelming for them. Like he goes, I'm finally getting out. I'm walking up the stairs. I'm coming up. See everybody. Coming up. Coming and then, up. He, then he high-fived and he like air-bumped everybody. Yeah, I yeah. know, I know. And, that, yeah. and the yeah. family's looking at him like, yeah, you've been upstairs like every day. We're not really buying <laughs> yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, that's one more reason not to admire your father when he's lying to the people that are watching him on CNN <laughs> right. and then walking upstairs and having dinner afterwards. All right, we don't normally do this where we, you know, pick people that are on the news saying stupid stuff. We haven't played stuff. Dory always loved to play stuff from The View. But um, we're breaking that rule here. So there's Chris Cuomo wanting to kill everybody. I assume it would be alphabetical. So Sherry, he would get me first, and then he'd pick you off later on, and then himself. Uh, Don Lemon says this about Nikki Haley. So Nikki Haley announces she's running for president. What is Nikki Haley, like 52, 51 57? 51 yeah. years old. Okay, yeah. so Don Lemon's having This whole talk about age makes me uncomfortable. I think that I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What are you that's talking about? That's not according to me. Prime for what? Uh, it depends. It's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll say, if you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say 20s, 30s and 40s. I don't necessarily. 40s, by the way, I, I say this about you all the time before you get on that call that we do at 1 o'clock every day. I always talk about you not being your prime tree. So <laughs> That's okay. I'm, I'm I, right. I, I get I'm, it. And you're right. Wait, there's more. So don't forget, if you Google, it'll tell you 20s, 30s, and 40s women. Oh, I got I'm not saying I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful about saying that, well, you know, politicians aren't in their prime. You need to qualify. Are you talking about prime for, like, child caring? Or are you talking about prime for being president? what the facts are. Google it. Everybody at home, when is a woman in her prime? It says 20s, 30s, and 40s. And I'm just saying Nikki Haley should be careful about saying that politicians are not in their prime. And they need to be in their prime when they serve. Because she wouldn't be in her prime, according to... Google? You know, Google or whatever it is. But don't I mean, he started off the conversation by saying, I'm not comfortable talking about age, and I think it's the wrong road to go down. Haley's point was, shouldn't we test people if they're over a certain age? Shouldn't you take a cognitive test to know that you still have your faculties about you? What's wrong with that? I think most people would agree with that, especially after watch Joe Biden. And do you want Joe Biden for another four years? It's not going to get any better. One member of his staff said today, oh, I can hardly keep up with him. He's more energized than he was 40 years ago. It's like, huh? Right? And his press secretary also said, yeah, we can barely keep up with the guy. Yeah, uh, I, I then mean, you've Nikki got Haley's- a problem. You've got a problem. You can't keep up with Joe Biden. Yeah, and, and Nikki Haley's point was was completely well taken. There isn't anybody out there that hasn't thought that about Joe Biden that wonders if he's got – what it takes to, to, to remain president at the age that he's going to be. So for Don Lemon to take a shot at Nikki Haley and say she's not in her prime, uh, according to Google, Google is, is <laughs> I mean, come on. And the sad thing is Don Lemon can get away with that. Nobody's going to touch him. Nobody's going to say anything about it. And, you know, he's the same guy that cried when um, Stephen Colbert made fun of his outfit. Remember, he was upset because Stephen Colbert said his outfit looked bizarre. Yeah. And so now he has to take a shot at, at a woman saying she's not in her prime. For what? 
She's younger than any other uh, currently than 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 the current president, the, the former president. And no one will, you know, I mean, there was a lot of reaction to this, but nothing will happen to Don Lemon. Shaboom. <laughs> double, double hot take with a shaboom and a explosion. Sure, you're on fire today. Yeah. Fire. Fire. You're in your prime. Thank you. Yeah, my suggestion still is that um, not a person. Chris Cuomo would like wrestle an alligator or a bear or like let like a couple of wolves go, and he has to fight them off every night. He would. That would be a good thing. That would get some ratings if he had some yeah. sort of a cage match every night at the end of his show. Yeah, tie tie a big T bone steak around his neck, right? With you know, you know, have it locked on there, right. and then put a bunch of wolves in a cage and then have him fight them. And he'd say, "I'm not an idol. I'm not an idol." I'm Italian. I'm passionate. <laughs> he walk up the steps. All right, wolves, I'm ready. Here we go. Teeny tiny, she's working hard over there. Here's that letter of the day. She's got Jacob. Did you give her those boots? Yeah, yeah, I, they're doll boots. Oh, that was that. Yeah, the Santa, Secret Santa. You had teeny tiny. She. That's there. There you are. I mean, I don't want to... Just uh, look at it! I see him, Teeny. I didn't want to make a sexist comment, but they're sexy. They're sexy. She what she got written on the side of them? Is that potato? She wrote potato on the side of the potato. boots? Potato. <laughs> on the side of the boots. All right. All right. Sorry, Sherry. I didn't see what you had on there. All right. Um, Biden is uh, uh, says that uh, no evidence of sudden increase in unidentified objects uh, flying over the United States. So let's see. This is the oldest man we've ever elected. Let's see if he can get through this entire thing. <clears throat> All right. Here he's going to speak. He we says. We don't yet know exactly what these three objects were. But nothing nothing right now suggests they were related to China's spy balloon program or that they were surveillance vehicles from other any other country. The intelligence community's current assessment is that these three objects were most likely balloons tied to private companies recreation or research institutions studying weather or conducting other scientific research okay if you've sent a balloon up it got shot down when you want to know where it is we don't have any evidence that there has been a sudden increase in the number of objects in the sky we're now just seeing more of them partially because the steps we've taken to increase our radars to narrow our radars and we have to keep adapting our approach to uh delaying to dealing with these challenges that's why I've directed my team to come back to me with sharper rules for how we will deal with these unidentified objects moving forward, distinguishing distinguishing between those that are likely to pose safety and security risks that necessitate action and those that do not. Got all that, Sherry? Mm-hmm. They right. still don't know what these uh, three other objects were. They're saying now that it's getting more difficult to... Um, to retrieve them because they're in very difficult terrain. Uh Um, One is in, you know, in Alaska, the other one is a hundred feet under a lake or however far under that lake. So they're Mm -hmm. trying to do that. But the consensus is that there is nothing to see here. Just keep moving. Yeah. Uh, Last point. We are going to keep our allies and the Congress contemporaneously informed of all we know and all we learn. And, uh, I expect to be speaking with President Xi, and I hope we have we are going to get to the bottom of this. But I make no apologies for taking down that balloon. So I had one that flew out over the United States for eight days, collected a whole bunch of information. 
most likely wired it back to China uh, if that is uh, what they wanted to do. Flew over Montana for a while. The craziest thing about that whole story is the people in Montana saw it and were calling into TV, radio stations, and into 911 telling them they saw the balloon, right? Mm-hmm. Hovering over Montana. And it just makes its way back out again. So uh, that guy's in charge, by the way. Don't worry. Don't have No one have any fear. You know what I feel most sorry for? The poor people of Ohio. It's that train. You've been following that story? The train derails. All sorts of chemicals come out of the thing. Then they burn it all up. And now the people that are like, hey, the water is not safe. And the air is not good. And where are you? Why aren't you coming here? How come people aren't here to help us? And it's not a bunch of a reaction. People in that little town there are just um, perplexed as they feel like the government has sort of left them hanging. Um, story doesn't get much talked about because, well, it's, you know, it's a train derailment in a town there in Ohio. The, um, the other little kind of kicky story that was flying around there for a while. The uh, governors had a big meeting in Washington, D.C., and Governor Cox from Utah uh, came out and he was saying that you know listen I've got I've got some I got a word for all of you out there if you're planning to move to Utah uh, this last census confirmed that Utah was the fastest growing state over the past 10 years so um, our biggest problems are more growth related um, we, we would love for people to stay in California instead of coming as refugees to Utah so we we're, we're always trying to figure that out our, our biggest problem right now is, is housing um, and, and water those two issues because we've grown so quickly uh, we need uh, a, a larger supply of housing. That's where our focus is. We, we're, we're not working to attract more people. Um, we're, we're doing just fine that way. Utah was named uh, the, the, the best state to start a business with Texas and Florida, number two and three. So we, we feel really good about that balance and where we are right now. Yeah. Um, building houses, thir- they're 13th on the list. As uh, Most expensive is Hawaii. Then it goes California. Washington, is, I think, is number three or four. Utah is number 13 to build a house. And when it costs of living, 38% higher to live in California than it is to live in Utah. But if people can leave, they will leave. And he's just like, yo, we, we don't, we're not so sure you won't. We should come in from California. I don't, I don't think people go, oh, well, we're, we're going to move there. But apparently Governor Cox doesn't want us. So we're not going to go to uh, Utah. Yeah, Utah grew 18% in the last uh, 10 years, and um, the largest influx is people from California. It's a great state. Like you said, it's good for business, uh, but they are concerned because they just can't accommodate all these people. Yeah. I have the, um, I'll tell you something, spending a lot of time in Utah, very, very kind people. The, The kind people, the beehive state. Nice people. Beer was kind of iffy there for a while because you used to have the, what, the two-third or one-third, mm-hmm. that like lower alcohol. That was always kind of weird. You, the, can, I, can, I get, can I get another beer? You know, you're on your fourth beer and you're like, God, this isn't even hitting me. Then you realize it was that like Utah beer. Um, and then the restaurant was, I, ate, I ever tell the story that I ate off somebody's sushi plate that they had left. Did I tell you that story about yes, Utah? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes. You can tell right. it again. Before the three of you, <clears throat> I plead my case again. Two people ordered sushi at this little restaurant right outside of Park City. Fine restaurant. Good sushi. They left like an entire roll. Uh, I don't know what it was. Sex on the beach or something. It, the sushi and the, the fancy stuff is a roll, right? They leave it. I watched them eat it. They ate the other roll. I guess they ordered too much. That can happen. And then they got up, they paid the bill, and they left. There it is sitting there. Not in the sun. No birds came and pecked at it. No one came over and coughed on each one of the rolls. It was just sort of sitting there. 
I, we got there late, so it was crowded, and I put my order in, but it was, took much longer than expected. My stomach was gurgling. I looked over, and there was nobody there. They had left. Who's it going to hurt? Table's right next. If it's next to my table, I think at one point I saw the two of them who were sitting there make eye contact with me. They're like, hey, you seem like a nice guy. You know, that can happen quickly, Sherry. All of a sudden, you look across, you see somebody make eye contact, and you're like, I think that person could be my friend. I could be friends with that person. We could experience all sorts of stuff. Who knows? Maybe we travel through Europe together. But for right now, let's begin this relationship where I eat the food you left behind. And I think that says something about me as a person. I'm willing to humble myself before your leftover sushi plate. It does say something about you as a person. Thank you. I don't believe that it says that. Um, even though they didn't cough on it, you weren't there for the entire time. Their germs, mm-hmm. they were hovering. They were touching. You know, sushi is is kind of finger food, but you use chopsticks, which can touch the other things. I'm, I, I assume there were no bad results of it no perfectly fine in fact i have okay. continued this there were uh there was a big bridesmaid party over at suncadia one day and they ordered way too much food and then they all went to get a massage and i was sitting there waiting for my masseuse to come over and i looked over there was a whole plate of nuts it was a charcuterie board and i thought Meh. Mm, we're not gonna miss a piece of salami a couple of nuts melons different Oh, here we go. No, no, no. Oh, here we go. Because that's more of an hors d'oeuvre kind of thing. This was somebody's meal that they that they touched and that uh, that's totally different. Hot shake. shake, Sure. So the difference between a charcuterie board, eating that off somebody's plate and going to everybody eats off a charcuterie board. Everybody. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess it's okay then. If everybody's jumping off a bridge or everybody's smoking cigarettes, jumping off a bridge, I guess you would too, Sherry. That's not the point at all. The point is that a charcuterie board is 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 meant to be shared, not a single roll on somebody's sushi (laughs) meal. Different. Totally different. Andrew, weigh in. Am I guilty or not? I don't think so. You're never Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Here we go. The John Curley Sherry Elliker Show. Hot take Sherry Elliker. Hangover's the mailman now, Sherry. What do you know? Right on time. Like the show's well produced or something. Mm. I'm the mailman, as you can see. I'm the mailman. Don't nobody mess with me. I'm the mailman. If you didn't know, I'm the mailman. I bring the mail to your door. Yes, he does. Then the teeny tiny lady picks out the letter of the day. Thank you, teeny. You're doing a great job over there. Very, very proud of you. Very proud. Sure, say something to her. Say something about her boots. Nice boots, teeny. Thank you. It doesn't work that way. That's right. All right. Uh, let's see. The um, I hit the wrong button. <clears throat> we'll get the letter of the day first. Take care of all the rest. Sherry. SPD body cams. 425 says, it's no wonder nobody wants to be a cop. Nowadays, you could not pay me enough to do that job to be hated by every progressive out there. It's pathetic. I personally support the police, and I always will. 
That's right. And then he gives his uh, driver's license and his license plate. Uh, Tim in uh, Black Diamond says, I'm not a cop, but I have three good friends who are or um, have been for the last several years. Constantly negative from all the directions against the cops who are trying to be very positive influence on society uh, that they can be has been unbelievable. I don't know anyone who wants to stick around, uh, go somewhere where you would be appreciated. 206 says, how about we do the same thing and record meetings that politicians have behind the scenes and let AI analyze that? <laughs> yes, how about that? 253. Seattle is scheduled to have two major uh, uh, professional all-star games. Um, I wonder how the city will be viewed on a national stage with little to no police presence and a complete lawlessness. A lot of out-of-town guests will have a front-row seat to see what Seattle has devolved into. Commando Parenting, Steve in the 360. I was shipped away when I was a teen and was isolated for days outside in Montana, still getting therapy today. Listening to the show is good for you, though, Steve. So you're coming along. You're doing fine. Aaron in 306 says, I did this with my son, and it didn't work. I guess Aaron is the father of Steve. Mike in Renton says, bring Rye on so he can talk about his time in the hole. <laughs> All right. Get that one, uh, Jacob. Okay. Sydney versus Sydney, 253. Fearing the worst, did Thomas, the cat, run away? I didn't hear his bell ring when Sherry uh, could Put the kibosh on the Sydney Montana. Yeah, there's, there's, he's back. Yeah. Well, I don't know why you were so negative to that guy. You were oh. angry. You, well, you need to go to Montana. <laughs> also, he said he could, he wouldn't come on. Okay. See that, Sherry? <laughs> yeah, he oh. must have heard your segment and was like, not going to do it. I stand by my, my position on that. 253 right. says. Up, oh, up. Oh. No time for your hot takes and the rest of the letters, Sherry. All right. Kyle in Olympia says, I have always had call waiting. I'm on the phone. You are going to have to wait until I'm done. The porcelain starts to rise from your hole. <laughs> I haven't heard what? that one in a while. I haven't heard that. What are you talking about? That's the letter of the day? Well, <laughs> there wasn't a lot to work with. Mother Murphy, lucky me. That's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. I wondered Didn't that myself. No Teeny, what are you doing over she there? Come on, Teeny. All right. All right, let's do another hour of this. Everybody needs it.